Welcome to our Forever Young Podcast, where we chat about ways to keep our bodies and minds young, because you're never too old to become younger. My name is Christiana Eggy. And my name is Sherry Marichu. Hi, Sherry. How are you? Hi, Christiana. All is well here. That's wonderful. It's springtime again, isn't it? It's so gorgeous. I mean, we've had a couple of really crazy wintry days, but I was so happy to see sunshine today and it was actually quite warm. It was, yes. So better days ahead. Yes, definitely. Mm -hmm. So today we are going to be talking about burnout. Burnout can happen in several aspects of our lives, be it as a caregiver or occupationally, financially, or medically. Yeah, and I think this is going to be a really enlightening discussion, I, but I also think it's very topical because so many people in my life have told me about burnout recently or talked to me about their experiences with burnout. So it's that time when I invite all of our listeners to grab a tall glass of water, spice with berries or lemon, and take us for a beautiful spring walk. So what is burnout really? Burnout is a state of physical, emotional, and mental exertion caused by excessive and prolonged stress. So if you've been looking after someone who is sick or you completely stressed out at work, all these things can eventually lead to burnout. So burnout in the case of employment can make one feel emotionally drained and unable to function in the context of their work and other aspects of life. Burnout can reduce productivity and lower your motivation and cause you to feel helpless, hopeless, and resentful. So I think what's really interesting to me is that there are, first of all, different kinds of burnout. I never really saw it that way because I would think, you know, if you're feeling burnt out at work, it's going to affect every area of your life. And I, I guess I never thought of it as like occupational burnout. So what are some signs and symptoms of burnout then? And how, what could we look out for? So when you feel completely overwhelmed, fatigued, anxious, irritable, not sleeping well, weight gain, actually having digestive issues. Some people start having heartburn. Some people, you know, start to have panic attacks. There are so many things. You feel hopeless. You start to withdraw from friends and other loved ones. You may even go into a depression. <laughs> this is not uh, uplifting, Christiana. <laughs> it's serious. It's really serious. No, this is awful. And I guess at work, some symptoms could include being cynical or overly critical about work, your work, other people's work. You would have trouble getting your work tasks done or even getting started or even feel like, you know, you're 
dragging yourself out of bed to get to work or your home office even. People can be impatient with their coworkers or their customers or clients. There's a lack of energy. Again, you can have difficulty concentrating. And, you know, some people, I guess, they don't experience any satisfaction from their achievements. Whereas in the past, they have really been satisfied and been proud of their work. But when you are burnt out, you are not feeling that way, no matter how good of a job you're doing. And sometimes people use food, alcohol, or drugs to to numb the, the burnout feeling. Yes. And, you know, all these feelings are very common when one is experiencing stress. I guess the other side of stress is if you do not actually do something about it, or take the time to properly address this situation and and seek help from family, friends, or even from professionals, then you would spiral into burnout and worse, into depression. So Yeah. yeah, go ahead. I was just thinking too, like when we were listing all the different signs and symptoms of burnout, they're very, they're very much like depression and and signs and symptoms of depression. So what is the relationship between the two? They are distinctly different, but very, very similar. And experts are saying to be very careful because, you know, when someone is depressed, it's like, oh, they they feel lethargic, you know, they, they feel hopeless and helpless. And again, they don't find satisfaction in anything similar to everything we've discussed. But the three symptoms that they highlighted as being part of depression, which are low self-esteem, feeling of hopelessness and helplessness, as well as having suicidal thoughts, I find that these symptoms actually also reflect on burnout. Like, you know, when I read about burnout, I I got the same thing because you could get to that point where you start, you know, you're so discouraged. You want to, you know, you just want to end it. It's like, I can't take another minute of this or or you just, your self-esteem is completely gone. Because most caregivers will experience caregiver guilt because yeah. you don't think you are doing enough or, you know, maybe you you sort of yelled at your loved one that you are caring for and that makes you feel so down and out. But the other thing that experts are saying is that with burnout, you can actually manage it relatively more quickly than you can depression. Because mm. if you go into deep depression, you need like medication and therapy, you know, more therapy whereas in the case of burnout you know you could mitigate it pretty quickly if you see the signs or you get help you know so maybe you're taking care of your loved one now you your loved one is away for two weeks of respite care by the time they come back you get more help you know that situation would change somewhat right but with with depression it doesn't really matter what you do unless you get to the bottom or you start to medicate that state so right. that's where the differences are. I personally feel that there are very fine lines between stress, uh, burnout and depression, because if you are stressed and you don't take care of your stress, uh, it becomes chronic. You will roll into burnout. And then when you are already burnt out again, <laughs> not, not taking care of that, not, not yes. addressing it, you go into depression. So that is my belief. So they are just the one is just it's just a rolling 
pin, you know, so to speak. Yeah. And I guess if we're looking at maybe like a spectrum of, of things, right. Like, so like you said, you could be at a stress level and then escalate to burnout and then into depression or maybe it's going down rather than up because depression I, I see think it's, down. Not, it's going down because mood yeah. go down right it doesn't go yeah. up if yeah. you're able to go up and down then that's not depression that's mania then you're money <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that's they that's a topic for another <laughs> podcast <laughs> I'm manic depressive anymore but by bipolar disorder so that's different so and and i mean you're right we've talked about all of these of these things before in in our podcasts and especially in our resilience podcast so stress man we need to know how to get a hold of stress in our lives and how to really deal with it better. And, and I think the resilience podcast was a really good one where we talked a lot about different ways that we can mitigate stress and how we can deal with it in our lives. So if you haven't listened to it, you got to listen to it after this one. Definitely. You learn a lot from that. So, and um, there are so many different causes of burnout depending on your situation. So are you caregiving for someone who is ill? Are you caregiving for a child? Or are you caregiving for a child with needs, right? Even teachers, all these people. So, or are you in a job that you don't like? Or is your job causing you so much stress? Or is your job not paying you enough money and you have financial <laughs> burnout? Like there's so many things that can lead yeah. to burnout. So some of the common causes, especially for caregivers, lack of awareness. You when you don't understand, especially in the case of dementia, dementia is one of the most misunderstood disease, especially with the symptoms and the things that come with it, where, you know, caregivers can be taken on a, a, a worse by their loved ones becoming, you know, either aggressive, abusive or violent, those type of things that you did not think, you know, you, you, ne- you never expected your mom would raise her hand, you know, and hit you, those type of mm-hmm. things. Lack of support. When people are dealing, you know, they say friend in need is a friend indeed. Unfortunately, again, going back to like a disease like dementia, which is a very, very lonely disease, people tend to just run away from you because, you know, they don't understand why this person is acting so weird, you know, or the the caregiver themselves don't feel good bringing their loved one into social situations anymore because they don't want to be embarrassed. And many caregivers are frustrated because of lack of money. As you know, as wonderful as our country, Canada is, you know, caregivers are unpaid, you know. So, you know, giving up your job to care for your loved one uh, or not having enough money to get the help that you need for your loved one is another big factor that will stress people out and lead to burnout. Actually, financial difficulties is one of the highest triggers for burnout. Lack of resources and skills, you know, not knowing how to manage this disease, you know, reaching out, learning about it. When you are faced with a situation, do the best that you can to research. You know, there are so many resources out there, either online or in person. Reach out to your community centers or even, you know, hopefully family doctors will have some information to give to you to help you. And as well, 
many caregivers become very possessive. I think I've said this, I think maybe it was in one of my interviews. As a parent, when I had my children, I felt I was the only one that could pacify my child when they cry, when he or she cried, right? So even if their dad was holding them, I want to get my child back. You know, <laughs> possessiveness. You think you're the one and only that can help your loved one. So a lot of caregivers make that mistake until they're at a point of no return. So yeah. just... Mm-hmm. I just have to say, though, I, I totally understand what you're saying, but sometimes... The person too who's being cared for really, especially if it is an adult, sometimes they do really want the family caregiver as opposed to the, the, yeah, or even if it's not a stranger, even if it's the same caregiver that comes every single day to the home, they still might want their sister or their mother or their aunt or brother, you know, to be there for them. And just like dementia, ALS is the exact same kind of caregiving experience, right? People with ALS need 24 seven care. You know, they get to a point where they can't use any of their muscles and they need help with every single daily task of life, including, you know, pushing your glasses up your nose. You know, I remember once I was supposed to be caring for my brother, but, you know, we were sort of just hanging out and he had no, he could not hold his head up. So he, he was sitting in his chair and as he was leaning back. So his head was resting against the chair, but if he, hiccuped or coughed or sneezed, his head would fall forward. But I had fallen asleep (laughs) as a horrible caregiver. Exhausted, right? And, you know, my brother couldn't speak also because of his ALS. Mm -hmm. So he just sat in that position with his head forward until I woke up. And I, I felt so bad. I mean, it was something that we could laugh about, but it was something that I remembered and was like, I must never, ever do that again if I'm the only one with him. Right. You know, you're so I, right. yeah. yeah. So the whole lack of or the guilt mm-hmm. of the caregiver, right, when wanting to get time away is is very real and can definitely cause burnout. And if you live with the person that needs care and then you know, you, you have someone hired coming into the home to help you, that guilt is magnified if you're still in the home and you're not, you know, there while helping while the other caregiver is there, which is, can be really confusing, but it is really, really important. As you always say, you cannot pour from a cup that's empty. So it is important for our friends to realize that if they are caregivers, they need to take care of themselves first. Yeah. And while you were talking, you sort of triggered almost a 40 year memory because when my father was in the hospital before he died, I was a student nurse at that hospital and my father would not accept anything from anyone. He would like finish classes. (laughs) When I come, he go, I need a drink. I need this. And the doctor was so mad. The surgeon was like, there are other nurses here. <laughs> there are student nurses. So if you want a student, you know, you should have yeah. said help. My father said, no, I want my daughter. <laughs> of course. See, yeah. it's so hard because they feel comfortable with you, right? Mm-hmm. And you feel like you know them so well, you're going to give the best care. 
And, and, you know, that wasn't like my dad at all. It was very sociable. And my brother, I remember my brother Tino telling me after that when dad became very clingy, that was when he knew that he was dying because I was so out of character for him. So he wanted all of me. And I'm really happy that I was there for him, you know. Yeah. I actually got the opportunity to be at his bedside late one night when he took his last breath. So that was a blessing too. So. Yeah. You are so right. When I've been talking about, recently I've talked a lot about caregiver burnout, but I never thought of the other side where the person receiving care is actually demanding of that person's um, attention. And when they don't give it, then they become, they feel guilty, that type of thing. So thank you for bringing that up. Mm. Because you've been a, a caregiver multiple times now. I have than your father, right? So yes, I've had the privilege. So I know. (laughs) It is. It is. But if we want to talk a little bit about occupational burnout for a second, we we know that you know someone who is feeling burnt out at work can feel over overworked, even under-challenged, which is interesting, feeling like whatever you're doing is not enough still, like you need to do more, or feeling the time pressure all the time. So like from the moment you get to work, like looking at the clock and knowing you have you know, so much time before you get something done. Now on the weekend, I had a little freak out because I realized it's, I have less than two months before I have three events happening, like (laughs) almost at the same time. And I like, was like, am I ready? Do I have enough done? And I, you know, I started to feel that time pressure, but at the same time, you know, me, I'm like, okay, I can get this done. I'm just going to be very logical about it, right? I can, there's this many hours in the day and Christiana wants to do a podcast. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, I, I said that we needed to do it too. So, but yeah, I think this is where that whole conversation of resilience comes back Mm -hmm. um, and how we deal with everything that we need to get done. Yes, definitely. Taking a step back rather than panicking or getting frustrated actually will help you put things in perspective and get more done, be more productive. Well, don't tell Dr. Odiatu, but I did have like (laughs) half of a chocolate bunny. (laughs) Well, as soon as I get off this, I'm going to give him a shout say, guess what? (laughs) Yeah, but you know what? I had half of a chocolate bunny, but I still had my vegetables and I haven't stopped working out. That's okay. It's a good thing. Once in a while, like I said, Sherry, you can treat yourself. Just don't treat yourself every minute. Every day. day. (laughs) Every minute. (laughs) You know, so no, that's fine. And especially when you're under pressure, like not many people reach out for, reach for the apples and uh, carrots and avocado. Oh my. Right. (laughs) So there are certain steps that caregivers could take to prevent when you care for someone with a chronic medical condition like dementia, cancer, Parkinson's and other debilitating diseases. So when you get frustrated, find someone that you can confide in, like a family, friend, co-worker, 
neighbor or even a faith leader, someone that you can be open with, you know, tell them all about your feelings of frustrations, your fears, your anxiety and stuff like that. And do seek help. Do know that you cannot do it all by yourself, but be very specific in your ask. Let people know. I personally don't know how to ask for help, but if you need someone to help you with meals, if you need someone to run an errand or something, if you need someone to just come and sit with your loved one so you can actually take a walk on a beautiful day like this, you know, ask for specifics. People will be happy to help you. Don't think people know what to do because sometimes people are just you know, overwhelm themselves. They don't know what to do. They don't know if you need help. They don't know if they should ask or if they would offend you. So do ask for help and be realistic. Set realistic goals. And as well, just again, knowing about the condition that you are dealing with, you know, knowing that if it's a chronic disease that this person will eventually either need to move into a nursing home or a care home or that the end will come sooner than later, like they're not going to live forever. So because of this disease and um, don't be very hard on yourself. Like Sherry said, laughter, laughter is the good medicine. (laughs) Yes. Laugh about things, you know, laugh, laugh at yourself, you know, and also if you do something that you feel is wrong, like I said, if you lose your cool, or you have bad thoughts, like, oh, you want this person to die already. You're not being a mean person. No, people have <laughs> to They do. Okay. Can you just have that feeling? You know, why are they still alive? Why don't they just die? And not viciously, but just, you know, why are they suffering? They hear suffering. Why don't they just, you know, go rest? So all of us have those feelings and then they feel guilty about it. Don't feel guilty because it's normal. People do have those thoughts. It does not make you a bad person. (laughs) Okay. As long as as it's not malicious. Okay. (laughs) Not malicious. You you are completely overwhelmed. You're tired. You see the suffering and you just think, why doesn't God just take them now? That type of thing. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. It happens. And don't forget yourself. Be a little bit selfish. You know, put on your own oxygen mask first so that you don't become depleted. Because sometimes caregivers actually die before the people they are caring for. I've heard that so many times and actually seen it happen. It's so crazy. I remember... Being on vacation once with my mom, and we got a call from my dad that a family friend had passed. And when he told us who it was, mom was like, did he just say the wife? Because it was the husband that was sick. Mm -hmm. And it was like, so crazy, you know, like, but it's so true. So many times someone has you know, taken it upon themselves to be the number one caregiver and hasn't taken care of themselves that we lose them before the person who's actually been sick. And in that is such an unfortunate situation because now that person that you wanted to care for so much, so badly is now left, you know, to suffer even more. 
So you're not doing anyone any favor by not looking after yourself. You want to be good and be strong for your loved one. Do take time to care for yourself so that you can have enough time to, to care for them. And should you need them to go into a facility, don't feel guilty. What I tell people when they come to my home is the best thing you can do for a loved one if you want to play, um, move someone into a, a home is make sure that if the tables were turned and you had to live in that home, you'll be happy with it. That yeah. is how you make the decision. When you are happy, you see the people that live there, you know that they are well taken care of. Then you should put your loved one there, be peaceful with it, and then you will have enough time to enjoy them when you go for visits. Yeah. But if you see a bad place and you put them, then that should be guilt for you. It should be on you, right? So yeah, for sure. Because you are so frustrated, you just want to get rid of them. Don't put them in a slum. So, but yeah. Uh, I think too, like just as you were talking about how you can help yourself as a caregiver so you don't get caregiver burnout and you know, being specific about your asks of support from people, friends, family members. And I think too, on the flip side, what I have done, because, you know, when I come across people who are dealing with loved ones with ALS or dementia or, you know, older parents and caring for them, because I have been through this, I know what I needed. And so I will ask very specific questions to people now and say, do you need me to get whatever for you? Do you need me to help you with, you know, this? Because I remember what was hard for me and I want to, you know, help the person that's going through it as well in, in, in a very specific way, right? Because I think it's special when, if you've been through something that you can help others so that, you know, they don't feel lost like you might have when you were going through it, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that's something else that, you know, if if we have listeners who aren't aren't caregivers, but they have family and friends that are, you know, how they can help the people that are going through it too. Yeah, it's very important. And that is why I wrote A Rose for Grandma. And that is my goal for people for like, especially this is like dementia, which is just, you know, an epidemic now is for people to be more aware. Like I want yeah. it to become a household um, name. I want children as young as eight, seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight to know about it because the more, you know, the, the more you, you'll be, you'll be more sensitive and you will know how to, like I said, some people are overwhelmed. They don't know how to ask or what to ask, but you've been through it. You understand it. So when it becomes common discussion and people know about it, then we all know how to help someone who is dealing with it, right? Exactly. They say there are three group types of people, people who, who will need a caregiver, people who are caregivers, people who well, you know, I forget the third one. I think you, you, you're a caregiver, you give care and you will need, yeah, you will need care and you will give care. So what is the third one? Sorry. I don't know, but I don't want to be either. I mean, <laughs> we all I don't to, want to need care and have to give to, care. You know, so eventually, is, is it that now or later, right? I We're guess so. Either need a caregiver or be a caregiver. But you know what? Remember what Dr. Odiatu says. 
if as long as we keep ourselves strong, remember we need to keep our muscles on our bodies. Sorry, I don't know how strong you're going to keep yourself. That, to, you know, to live an independent life, you need to keep the, your muscles on you. A point in your life where you're going to need care. <laughs> When you are 100 or 200 or whatever you need to be, you're going to need care. And apart from that, though, even if you're not needing care permanently, just Mm -hmm. being a patient, we're all going to need medical assistance at some point or the other. And when you're in a hospital, you are needing care, right? (laughs) So we're all going to need care. We're all going to be caregivers and we're all going to... You know, so whatever that thought thing is, will come to me later. Okay. To sleep more, right? <laughs> Maybe you should. Okay, so if you're suffering from occupational burnout and you you need to resolve whatever is happening at work to help you, you need to make sure that it's financially feasible to do whatever you need to do. So if it's, you know, if it's so bad that you feel like you need to leave your work, make sure that financially you'll be okay for a few months before you find a new job. And if quitting is not an option, you should probably speak to someone at work to have them understand what you're going through. Whether maybe it's someone in HR that you can speak to. I don't know. Some people might be confident enough to speak to their boss about it, but, or maybe you can speak to another supervisor in your area to talk about what you're going through and what your challenges are, but you can learn how to say no also and, and let the people, you know, who you're working for, like how, what you're, what you're taking on at the time, you know, and let them know how much you can handle or what needs to drop off if you're taking on something new. I mean, that's that's a really good way too. So when your boss says you've got this great new project, you'll be like, awesome. What can I drop off then? <laughs> what can we give to someone else, right? Learn how to take mental breaks. I mean, you know, I read somewhere recently that just like a three-minute walk outside can do wonders for your brain. So go outside and walk around your building and just breathe in that fresh air and give yourself that break. You'll feel so much better. Especially Um, in the winter. (laughs) Listen, I like walking outside, whether it's minus 20, actually I prefer minus 20 than 35 degrees. I really do. Mm -hmm. It's, like 35 is hard to feel comfortable outside while I'm walking, but minus 20 and just put the big jacket on and go. <laughs> For me, three minutes walking the dead of winter would definitely change my mindset. <laughs> I'll take on a new project. <laughs> well, okay. The last thing is though, try not to take work home, Christiana. absolutely leave it there right I mean I know both of us it's hard for us you know like the things that we do running our own businesses like we're always there you're it's always gonna happen 
at any time of day, wherever you are. So, but you can learn to leave projects, right? You know what is important, what's time sensitive and what's not. So absolutely. It's important. It doesn't matter what you do, just that little break is so good for you, which yeah. I had last weekend. We were in Montreal and it was yes, it's awesome. I laughed and I relaxed and had fun. So yes, but wonderful. Think of it. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also very important to develop new coping tools. You know, look for ways, think ways, read or talk to people because there are so many things like Sherry was saying, even just a three-minute walk out there, sitting at your desk just by yourself, being mindful for a few minutes, you know, you know. Oh, playing, playing. with your dog. <laughs> I know, right? Or playing with your grandson. Adopt a dog. My daughter has been trying to adopt dogs online, but anyway, she's not really getting one. So, you know, look for <laughs> something to distract. <laughs> and mindset, like we've always said, mindset is everything. Yeah. Look exactly. at your cup. Is it half full or half empty? No matter what your situation, it could be worse. You know, just look the other way and you see that people are dealing with even worse things, right? So, right. and stay healthy. It is so important to eat right. You know, eat right, exercise, drink lots of water and sleep. Sleep is so, so, so important. Yes, it because is. you'll be able to think better and be able to react better. Because when you are stressed, you are either overreacting or hyper-reacting or not reacting at all. On the boulder fall on your head. So try to develop positive attitude towards things. And laugh again. Laughter is so good for you. And don't, don't, just don't allow yourself to, you know, when you feel yourself going down, your mood is going down, try to do something about it. I always tell people it's easier to stop yourself from going into depression than to bring yourself out of depression. Once you go into that dark hole, it's going to be so hard. It's, It's going to be even more stressful on you. So, you know, try to find somebody to talk to, get a professional. I'm so happy that mental health is so commonplace these days. People are not even ashamed to talk about talking to therapists, you know, young people, old people, lots of people are now talking to, oh, my counselor said, you know, it's such a beautiful thing. And I actually heard Cam Age advertising on the radio the other day. I'm like, woohoo. And they tell me (laughs) to call for free consultations. It is so good, like just someone to help put your mind and your thoughts into perspective because, you know, sometimes we just can't do it alone. It's so important to have a support around you all the time and not to be afraid to ask for help. That's another thing, right? Like not just even seeking professional help, but seeking help at all is, can be really difficult for people. And, and it's those people that experience the burnout and they need to, they need to not be afraid to ask for help. But also they say misery loves company. So if your friends are just as negative minded as you are at any point in time, you know, do away with them, look for positive friends. (laughs) Well, Christiana and I will be your friend. Yeah. Look for people that are positive, that are ready to jump anytime, you know, keep going. 
you know. So definitely, if if the people around you are dragging you down, look for new friends, reach outside of your circle because you don't want people to dampen your mood. And yeah. And I would tell them, I'd be like, I can't spend time with you right now because I feel like you're dragging me down. Mm-hmm. Not everyone can say that. So, but even if you can't <laughs> say it, just say, you know what, I'm busy today. If they call you many times and you're busy all the time, they will leave you alone and find new friends themselves. Be tactful. All right. Bye. <laughs> <like> Sherry. <laughs> I'm going to tell you the truth. Wouldn't you respect that? Absolutely. Absolutely. But again, not everyone. And, you know, also people don't want to, it, it, it goes, it's a sort of a double-edged sword. Some people alienate people when they are dealing with stress and some people don't want to alienate anyone because they feel like their center will fall out. Like they can't do without these people. So that is again, while having that professional mind, you know, mm-hmm. help you figure things out. So- Actually, I wouldn't say I can't hang out with you because you're dragging me down. What I have said is you seem to be going through something. Is there something I can do to help? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or how would you, what would you like me to do? You know, and, and they can tell me to stay, they, they're not ready to talk about it and that's fine. Or, you know, I, and I will say you can just talk to me and I won't have to say a word. I'll just be someone to take it, you know, to listen. Cause sometimes, you know, it's like when you hear bad news and you kind of have to give it away to someone else. And then it feels like it's off you. It's like lifted a bit. And I see that the same way. Like if you're going through something and you just want to talk and not necessarily look for a resolution, but just get it off your chest. No problem. I will listen. But I've actually used that term or statement on the flip side where Mm -hmm. someone is so down and they're not talking, they're telling you they are okay. I let Mm -hmm. them know they are dragging me down because, you know, when I'm around someone who is down, my spirit will go down too. So like something is wrong, but you're telling me it's nothing, but you're actually killing my spirit. So, you know, (laughs) I mean, no, something is wrong, right? So it, but the other way around. So there's so much here we can talk about, you know. Yes, uh, forever. Yeah, with burnout. It's so important. It's such a huge topic. And we've barely, barely even scratched the surface. But the podcast is only for so long before <laughs> you know, so, so. That's so, right. Please be mindful and do frequent mental check-ins. So take stock of your emotional and mental health. So I'm Christiana Eggy. And I'm Sherry Marie Chu. See you next time on Forever Young. Until then, keep smiling because you're never too old to become younger. The Forever Young podcast is created and produced by Christiana Eggy and Sherry Marie Chu. And it is produced and engineered by Elise Hill. The podcast represents our opinions and those of our guests. The content should not be taken as medical advice. It is for informational purposes only. And because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Special thanks to the Ella Accelerator for bringing Christiana and Sherry together. If you like the show, please tell your friends and leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. 
New episodes are available every other Wednesday. Have questions? Email us at ourforeveryoungpodcast at gmail.com. We're also on Instagram and Facebook under Our Forever Young Podcast. Thank you for listening.